0: Welcome back to Lemon Punk Club by Sean
1: Twinson. i And I'm Mackie And I'm Martin. And this month, for September, we wanted to talk about Sexual Health
2: Week, which was the 11th to the 17th. But we didn't just want
0: to that sex. This got us thinking we wanted to talk about disabilities and relationships.
1: So today we speak to Rachel. Rachel is training to be a clinical psychologist and she is currently carrying out a research on LGBTQ plus people with disabilities. We're
2: also at the disability club nights and finding out about local events and how to get involved. But first, Rachel tells us about her research.
3: I'm David. I'm Tash. I'm Dan. Wait, who are you not? And with us today is Rachel. Hello, Rachel.
4: Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me here today. It's really nice to see you all. So my name's Rachel. I'm a trainee clinical psychologist at the minute. So that means sometimes I work in different services for the NHS. So sometimes I work in learning disability teams. Um, I have worked with children before, um, and also adults as well. Um, and part of that is I'm also training at the university of Surrey in Guildford. So when I'm at Guildford, I'm doing a bit of research, doing a bit of teaching. That kind of thing. So it's a bit of a mix. Um, But yeah, I've worked with lots of different people. My course is three years long and I'm just going into my last year now. Um, So I've got one year left and then I'll be finished. What first interested you in researching relationships for people with disabilities? Well, I was first interested in it because I was having a little look online and I couldn't really see anything about this topic, which I thought was a bit, don't know, I thought it was a bit silly considering that everybody, when they reach a certain age, becomes attracted to different people and lots of people want to have romantic relationships and there seems to be lots and lots of research about LGBTQ people who don't have a learning disability. And I was just a bit like, well, why is there no research? on LGBTQ people who do have a learning disability. So it felt really important to me. I've worked with lots of people who do identify as LGBTQ plus, and I really wanted there to be something for them out there as well, something that they could relate to, something that they could read and identify with.
5: Why is, you know, why you
2: that?
4: So my aim for my piece of research is to speak to as many people as I can. So I'm trying to speak to people between the ages of 18 and 40, so it's quite a big age range, who have a learning disability and identify as LGBTQ+. And the aim of my research is to find out about people's experiences of having romantic relationships. So sometimes people will say, oh, I've had lots of romantic relationships and I ask, what were they like? How did you meet your partner? Um, what kind of emotions did you have throughout the relationships? And then sometimes people will say, I haven't had any romantic relationships yet. And that's fine as well, because I'm still interested to know, what about having a romantic relationship it's a bit tricky. Maybe there are a few challenges that people face. Sometimes people aren't always sure where they might meet a partner, whereas other people are online dating. So it. I'm interested, the aim of my research is to speak to as many people as possible and hear about lots of different experiences to think about what works well and what is a bit more tricky. What
3: specific subjects, facts or figures stand out to you?
4: Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I think something that stands out to me, I think it's something like 1.5 million people in the UK have a learning disability and 6% of the UK population are LGBTQ plus, but there is no numbers, facts, or figures on how many people in the learning disability population are LGBTQ plus. So that kind of stood out to me, the fact that there isn't a statistic out there that nobody knows how many people with learning disabilities are gay, bisexual, transgender, nobody really knows. Um, And I felt it was a bit unfair that we know that about other people in the UK, but not people with learning disabilities.
5: A lot of people are embarrassed to discuss these topics. Is sex and relationships something you have always been comfortable with? discussion and how can we break the stigma?
4: Oh, that is a really good question, isn't it? <laughs> um lots of people feel so embarrassed to talk about these things. And it's really difficult, isn't it, because it's very normal. It's everybody experiences these the same desires and wishes, attractions, but yet we we feel really frightened to talk about it. Um I, I used to be very, maybe a bit more embarrassed to talk about it, but I've spoken to some really brave people um, who have shared their stories with me, talked really openly and honestly. And I think unless we talk about it, like we're doing today, then people will avoid it because it is embarrassing. One of the main ways we can break the stigma is just by talking to each other. and. Sometimes I think we don't have to always ask like direct questions or what part of LGBTQ are you or are you in a romantic relationship? But we can wear like rainbow lanyards to show that we're an ally with people, that stands for LGBTQ and that's a good way to say, look, I'm, I'm supporting you. And so it's, it's other little ways that we can try and break that stigma as well. Do you think much has changed? for LGBTQ relationships in modern history? I do think it is changing, you know. I think people used to be a lot more embarrassed to talk about these things. It was all a bit hush, hush, hush. And from what we know, as the years go on, more people in the UK are saying, I identify as gay or bisexual or transgender or queer than they used to before. So I think people are starting to feel a bit more comfortable to be honest and true to themselves, which is really nice, really nice to um, see. I hope that it continues to keep changing that way and people do feel safe and happy to so just be themselves. But yeah, I think it's definitely changing a little bit.
3: Do you
5: most people with anything,
1: people with disabilities? If not, what have we do?
4: I like to think that it is changing a little bit. Sometimes when I go to different day centres, I speak to people that are in relationships with other people at the day centre, or I know that sometimes in Surrey, there's like social discos and events that people can go to, to try and meet a partner if they've got learning disabilities. And all that stuff is really, really great, isn't it? It's just... I'm not sure how many people know about these things. And I think, yeah, sometimes people might not feel like people with learning disabilities want to have romantic relationships. So it's important that we keep talking about that as what people with learning disabilities and professionals and families, everybody really. It's it's for everybody to be talking about.
3: We are exposed to a lot more sexual content from a younger age. Examples being films, TV, advertising, music videos. But do you think our sex ed has worked with that or is it getting left behind?
4: Mm, That's so true, isn't it? I think in the media, like you've just said, on films and TV, we see a lot more sexual content now than we ever did before. From what my research has shown so far is that sex education in special schools hasn't always been as good as the sex education in other schools. Sometimes there's a focus on certain things like consent, which is really, really important, but I don't know if sex education talks about the positives of having relationships. I don't know if it talks about LGBTQ plus. I mean, it certainly didn't when I was at school. (laughs) So, I do think that we do need a bit of change there actually to make sure, like you're saying, sex education is keeping up with what we're seeing on the TV. Yeah.
5: Can you share some important aspects of sexual health that people often overlook or misunderstand? And how can we educate ourselves and others to promote a healthier understanding of sexuality?
4: I think something that's really important that is sometimes maybe overlooked is for everybody to be involved in making decisions that affect them. So if you're somebody that is wanting to start the contraceptive pill, for example, or get some form of contraception, it's really important that you're involved in making that decision and that decision isn't made on your behalf. Even if it's made by somebody that knows you well, I think sometimes we might overlook having those really important conversations. I think the topic of LGBTQ plus is quite overlooked as well. You know, there's an understanding that people want to have romantic relationships, but I think there's less understanding that men might want to have a relationship with another man or a woman might want to have a relationship with another woman. So those types of things, I think, are talked about a little bit less. I think... How can you educate yourselves to promote a healthier understanding of sexuality? I think your podcast would be, is going to be really helpful for lots of people. And like I said, just keeping the conversation going, go into different events, speaking to different people, reading different things on the internet, going to different groups, all those things might help to promote a good understanding of sexuality, but. I think it's important to talk to somebody that you trust if you've got questions about it or if you want to talk about it a bit more, find that person who you really trust and feel safe with and and talk to them about it. You
3: know how on social media um, there's... There seems to be all this major disregard around, you know, people with pronouns, they want to be called, and also people who transition but they don't want to like, fully transition. They just sort of neither gender, you know, it's getting a lot of bigotry, lots of backlash there.
4: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I know that pronouns, like you said, can be really, really helpful for some people. But other times I think it makes people feel really like a lot of pressure to make sure that they're saying the right pronoun or calling somebody by the right name. And I think that causes a lot of stress for some people thinking, oh gosh, I might get this wrong. And that's okay to get things wrong. I think we all have to understand that we're all going to get it wrong at times. But all we can do is our best and our best is absolutely good enough as long as we're trying and being respectful of other people. That's the main thing. Um Just to say that I am still recruiting for my research. I am still looking to talk to people and um, between the ages of 18 and 40 who are LGBTQ plus and have learning disabilities. So if anybody here or anybody listening to the podcast wants to get in touch with me, um, please do because I would, yeah, I'd love to speak to you. I've learned so much already. It's important
0: what Richard's doing. I'm really surprised that there were no facts and figures on LGBTQ plus and disabilities.
2: breaking of disability dating, and Chad if invited see Jamie from Mayhem in working to tell everything about their club networks. Hi, I'm Dan. Hi, Dan.
6: Good luck. Hi, Corinda.
2: My name is Matthew England.
6: Hi, Matthew.
2: Hi, Jamie.
6: How are you? All right, Matthew. How are you doing? i
2: have got a cream
6: I'm Jamie from Linkable. We're a working-based charity. We support children, young people and adults uh, to take part in a variety of activities that build their confidence, skills and, and help them build a community.
2: So uh, how did they come up with the idea for Lanehead? So we were
6: founded in 1989 because we believed at the time, and it's better now, but we still believe that people with learning disabilities were being excluded from social activities and having the opportunities to, to meet and build friendships. We're passionate about supporting people with learning disabilities to live full and joyful lives. Uh, in 2005, We started Mayhem to reflect that people should have the opportunity to attend a night out where they are welcome and wanted and can be themselves, whatever their background or needs. So, when Mayhem started, which is 18 years ago now, the people we support were not being catered to by mainstream clubs, and we believed this needed to change. So, community, gathering together, enjoying each other's company, music, dance, it's a basic human need, we think and anyone who wants to access it should have the opportunity to do so. And so in 2005, that just wasn't there. So we started it ourselves. Jamie, how do you ensure your nightclub and event is accessible to individuals with various disabilities? We're making sure we always have town centre located venues. They're easily accessible. So they're close to transport routes. They have lift access and level entry. Uh, We don't use strobe lighting and we have trained staff working to support the evening. In recent years, we've partnered with Phoenix Cultural Centre, who are not a profit organisation in working, and they provide a welcoming, inclusive cultural hub for um, growing communities. So one of the things we're, we're pleased to be talking about today is that we're going to be continuing this relationship into their new venue. So October's Halloween-themed mayhem event will be at our new venue. Well, we're going to be How we uh, accommodate and use features to make it inclusive, on top of what I mentioned already, uh, we make sure Mayhem is inclusive of everyone, whatever their needs or requirements are. So people attend to meet their friends at Mayhem, some people come on their own, some people come with support. Whichever way you need to come to attend the Mayhem nights, you're welcome to do that. We've seen support workers dancing the night away with their clients. So we just wanted to be clear that Mayhem is open to everyone, whether they manage themselves or whether they need support as part of their evening. Uh, Everyone in in the community is welcome at Mayhem events. What entertainment and
5: activities
6: do you offer to cater to a diverse audience? Thanks, Dan. Uh, The entertainment activities we offer cater to a diverse audience because our DJs all have their own experience of learning disability, and they all know their specialism inside and out. So our DJs host radio shows. Uh, they write and produce their own music. So we cater to a diverse group who attend the, the sessions because we recognize that it is vital that everyone has an experience that is genuine and authentic. So this is a proper club night hosted by talented DJs, and within that, we respect a range of needs and preferences. So all of our DJs host our radio shows, write and produce their own music. They have other um, artistic pursuits like painting and things like this. The diverse group of people who attend, we recognize that it's vital that they all have an experience that's genuine and authentic. So what we mean by that is this is a proper club night. So it's not a school disco or anything like that. This is a club night. It's hosted by talented DJs and any range of need and preference can attend. So the common goal is a shared good time. DJs know how to get people dancing and having fun. So that's the main aim to it. So Jamie, how do you train your staff to run a supportive and respectful environment? We train the staff to run a supportive and respectful environment because our group of staff and volunteers who work at Mayhem work at our groups for children and young people and adults at our centre in waking. So they all have a background in essentials like first aid training, safeguarding training and epilepsy training, things like that, where they can keep an eye on what's going on during the night and they can deal with things if they come up. But as well as that, they all work with a diverse group of people across our groups. So they encourage the community feel to the night, but also there's someone there in the background making sure the night runs smoothly, ensuring everyone is having a good time and enjoying themselves, ensuring that it's a safe and welcoming environment. And when we work with Phoenix Cultural Centre, which we're starting again in October, they told us we are their favourite night to run during the year because everyone has such a good time. So... As I've kind of mentioned above, it's about having fun. It's about building a sense of community and the staff are adept at doing that because it is something they do as part of their regular jobs with us. Uh, what are you the future plans for Mayhem, across the rest of this year and beyond, We're things like finding Mayhem its permanent home. So we're starting that process with uh, Phoenix Cultural Center next month. We want to build back the numbers from the pre-COVID days pandemic obviously had an impact on Mayhem through uh, we just weren't able to open for a while, people that felt their confidence reduced and things like that. So that's all about expanding that. But beyond that, we're always planning ways in which we can expand Mayhem's approach. So the Phoenix Cultural Centre, they run nights like ours, but they also run music nights, open mic nights, things like poetry, comedy and other cultural staples. So creative expression covers a huge range. So we want to make sure people have that warm, welcoming, encouraging venue to explore more about what brings us together and keeps us connected as a community. So we want to make this space a a, a space for thriving learning disability creative scene. So we want to expand across those areas. And then also, we'd also want to offer those opportunities to young people who can benefit from those activities too. So helping them make creative expression part of their lives. So that's, that's for people that would be probably under 18. Or we'd be looking at sort of teenagers and helping people have those opportunities too.
2: What advice would you give other nightclub owners or any event organisers who want to create a more extensive space?
6: Firstly, one of the biggest things we think sometimes get lost in conversations about people's different needs or support requirements is that people are not just a diagnosis or a word. Um, so everyone has dreams and hopes and generally want similar things, friends, community, and outlets for their creativity and passions. So if anyone wanted to set up a similar night, we'd suggest speaking to the people you want to provide this inclusive space for, asking them what is important to them, getting them involved. Helping them build something that lasts and will leave a legacy of confidence in themselves and in their community that stretches into the other parts of their lives so that confidence they can take out into other areas, um, work, family relationships, anything else that they want to do. But the second part of that, more broadly than that, there's work that mainstream venues and organisers can do to include everyone in their nights. So uh, again, that comes from learning about how they can make their events inclusive. So asking people what they need, actively seeking conversation with people from the community about what changes are needed and how they can help. Communication is the essential element of that. So it's about talking to people with learning disabilities, getting them involved. We're happy to be part of that dialogue and and start those conversations. and then I guess just finally, there's there's some practical things that can be done to make events more accessible. So making sure there are accessible toilets, clearly presented information, getting people from the learning disability community to be part of planning the events. So there's lots of different ways that people can make these uh, inclusive spaces. How can people get involved? So Dan, how can people get involved? If anyone wants to get involved in Mayhem, we'd suggest following us on Facebook and Instagram. So we're, we're at Linkable or at Linkable Woking on those platforms. You can find out more about Mayhem on our website, uh, which is linkable.org.uk. If it was a company or potential partner who wants to sponsor the evenings or help with equipment or entertainment, we would have to get in touch with us uh, and, and be part of the thriving community and working in the surrounding areas. Well, we've got two more events scheduled for this year. So we've got one on Saturday, the 28th of October. So that is going to be that one where we encourage anybody who wants to to dress in their finest Halloween costumes for the night. This will be the first one in the new venue, which is properly set up for such nights. There will be a bar that has cash and card facility. So that's going to be a bit broader. Our DJs are going down in October, the week after next, to, to locate the place, make sure that the PH system is up to scratch and things like that. So we've got a fresh start Mayhem in in October. So 28th of October is one for your diary. And then 22nd of December, which is a Saturday as well. So we've got a Christmas Mayhem on the 22nd of December, which is a Saturday. So um, that will be our big party for the end of the year. Lots of Christmas jumpers, lots of reindeer antlers. We again suggest if you want to, uh, come along in your finest Christmas wear. So next year we will be announcing dates for that towards the end of the year as well. So we'll be looking at some more dates across twenty twenty
2: four. So great to hear all about Mayhem and I do and I do have friends who go to Mayhem and they say to me it, it's fantastic.
6: Thank you very much for inviting us along to talk about mayhem.
5: Lima, daily. Thank you for listening to us today. i and bye.
0: The long Journey of Relationship and Disability. I'll let Steve the manager from Prison Nerd Club in Kingston. Which
5: regularly runs Disability swimming nights. My uncle, Linda. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm Ted. Today, we have the privilege of speaking to Stephen, the manager of Prism, the nightclub in Kingston.
1: And he's going to tell me what right about it, the nightclub.
5: Hello, my name's Steve. Hi, Steve.
1: So, first question is, what made you want to vote that so many things? So, why did
7: we start Discability? I was in the pub one day, and uh, a friend of mine came in, who was with some friends, and they, they, their daughter was there, who a young lady called Georgia. She said, when we were talking about nightclubs, she said, could you host a night for me and my friends to come along? And I said, certainly. So that's how it started. I was asked just one night, could I host this? Could I start it? We put the night together and, and launched it. I've got to say, I get more enjoyment out of that night than any other night. The feedback I get back and the smiles is, it's something special. And I can say that for all my team. Uh, they really do enjoy working them. and. You hear people saying, you know, they're 30, 35 years old, they've never been to a nightclub, and they never
5: thought they would experience it. How do you ensure your nightclub is accessible to people with various disabilities? We've got three different
7: rooms in the venue. Two of those are upstairs and one's on the ground floor. We use that one for this event so that people who have got more access leads can get access to that room. We try and publicise it as far and wide as we can. Really it's word of mouth that's making it successful. We're averaging about 150 to 200 people now, which is really, really encouraging.
8: What makes you and white club inclusive?
7: We're sort of feeling our way and a lot of carers helped us and guided us to try and shape the night so we are sort of feeling our way but we just open up to everyone no matter everyone's invited and then we'll try and make it work for everyone so we never
5: say no to anyone what entertainment and activities do you offer to cater to a diverse audience what we try to do is we offer The night that we do at the
7: weekends, Friday night, on this night, we try not to tailor it or make it any different to any other night. We want it to be a full nightclub experience where everyone's welcome to come and enjoy it. I think that was what was important to us was to be a proper nightclub.
4: What training do your staff have to support this event?
7: We do a lot of vulnerability training with the staff anyway. I think this one, we're guided by carers and talking to people. I don't think there's any different training. I think it's just listening to people, listening to what their needs are and trying to, you know, take note of that. We try to listen to our guests, our guests and our carers. They're the ones that are important to us. These are the guys that. We want to make sure of enjoying that night. And if they feedback that something hasn't worked or something has worked, we capitalise it or we change our approach. We don't want to be controlling. We want to offer a night where everyone can turn up and have some fun.
4: You say you don't need ID on the website, but it's an 18 plus event. Why is this?
7: This is quite a complicated one. So our licence is very, very strict in that everyone needs to produce ID. Everyone has to be searched and scanned into the building using ID scanners. For this event, I have to apply for what's called a TENS license, Temporary Event Notice, to give me a dispensation from all the, the clutter on my license where I can allow people to come in without being searched without having ID scanned because I realized that maybe some of these guys won't have IDs and I don't want to stop them from coming in because of a, th- a clause on my license. So I have to apply for a special events notice for this event, which allows me to run it, allows me to let all you guys in without having to turn anyone away. How can people get involved and um, when's your next event? well we've got we've got all our events planned up until January so our next event is next Tuesday and then we are doing a Halloween special so on the 30th of October we've got a Halloween special that's coming out I've got some that aren't on sale yet will be the first ones to know (laughs) so we've got the Christmas party at the start of December. And then we're going to do a Christmas special, December the 17th. And I'm hoping that we can put that up into the big room where we can give you the full production up there that we do with concerts and stuff like that. So it will be a bit more of a show. It's a bigger room and hopefully we can get the numbers there to film that so The date is Tuesday the 19th, December. So we are very much guided by our guests. I run a nightclub, I try to put on a great event for everyone that comes in. If there's something that you guys would like us to do for you, or you tailored the event, please just drop me a note. I work every event, I try and make myself available to talk to everyone. So I'm here, my name's Steve, come and say hello if you can tell your friends about it it's not a money making exercise this is very much about us trying to offer something back to the community and give you an experience that i think you've missed and and any help we can get we would love and if we didn't something wrong i'm sorry it's, it's us not knowing
5: they on a when you and in
7: Fantastic. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for inviting me. I hope like to see you in, in prison.
1: Thanks, Steve. I'm a regular at Discoability. I go with my mates, and it's a great night. And you get to meet new people and meet new friends. And every time I go, it's different. It's so easy to get to, right by Kingston Station. It it does feel like my big family. I can't wait for the
2: next one. We're talking about making friends, socialising and building relationships. But what about love? Dating in general is complicated and dating with disabilities has its own challenges. But
0: they're hot. What the hot one, and we now speak to Lucy from Meeting That, a data agency based in the northwest of England. Hello, Lucy. Hello, what is Meeting
8: That? So Meet and Match is a friendship and dating agency for adults with learning disabilities and autistic adults too and we provide um, opportunities for people to connect. We support people to go out on first dates and friendship meetups and provide some membership support throughout membership with us. And you say
2: you're on a dating site, but what's the difference between a dating site and an agency?
8: So, the difference between a dating site and our friendship and dating agency is that when somebody joins a dating site, they're putting all of their information onto a computer and there's the computer algorithms, which is sort of a fancy name for some mathematics, fancy science behind the scenes generates possible matches. So if you're aware of things like match.com or plenty of fish or Tinder, that is really you putting your details into a database and expecting a computer to find a match for you. Now we're a friendship and data agency and we are real people matching. So when people sign up to our agency, they fill in an application form which then gets reviewed by our membership coordinator and she gets to know our members and be to our members and find out more about what it is they're looking for. And then she will then set up dates or friendship matches depending on what the person's looking for to hopefully then create some connections. And we find that for people with learning disabilities, this is a much safer way to meet people because we have lots of things in place to safeguard people, such as checking references so that we know that when someone joins, well, they are who they say they are. And then we can get to know people. So if, if you sign up to a dating site, it's really just you putting your information into a, into a computer. Well, I'm like, a then, then, yeah, the. So there's a couple of parts. So for the friendship and dating agency, we have members only events. So last week, 16 of our members met up and and went to Crazy Golf and had pizza as well. So that is an opportunity for people, for our members to get together and do an activity. And then from that, they tell the membership coordinator if they like somebody, if they like out on a date with somebody or do those kind of events we then help people to meet so I know there's a couple that are meeting for food next week and they're going they've chosen the pub that they want to go to or the restaurant that they want to go to and they will be with a chaperone who is one of our staff members who will support them to to meet up and then they will have their date and, and the chaperone will just go and sit they won't sit with them they'll just go and sit somewhere else and then the other side of our events that we do is social events for people that don't have to join the dating agency so each month we run pub nights and discos for anybody to attend Um, if they've got a learning disability or if they're autistic to come and make new friends and those are events in ordinary places like pubs and clubs and they're opportunities to just come out and make make friends and have a really good night out okay thank you for that question the next question
0: is have you ever thought about running your training sessions
8: online so people for can access so have we thought of running our sessions online the answer is yes we have run our sessions online so if we all remember when we were all uh, locked in our houses due to covid the pandemic we had to change the way that we worked and so we did deliver some of our training workshops online we think they're much better in person because they're quite practical activities which don't always work online so we had to change some of our workshops quite a bit so that people could access the activities we are very happy to travel to places further away to come and deliver our courses in person. But yes, we can also deliver our training sessions online. They just delivered a little bit differently because our staying safe in relationships one, for example, is a full day course. And that would be really tiring if we were to do that online. So we can, we, we just sort of shortened it and deliver it in a different way. And what we do when we deliver online is we send everybody a training pack out so that they have the materials at home or wherever they do, they're taking part, and then we can do some of the activities. But we much prefer to do them in person. And since the pandemic, we've gone back to doing them in person.
2: And what's your plans in the future for me and Match?
8: So our plans for the future of Meet and Match are that we will continue to offer opportunities for people to connect with others, make friends, and develop relationships. We want to expand where we run our events across Lancashire and Greater Manchester, which is where we run at the moment. And we want to make sure that social care providers are prioritising relationships for people because people don't always have opportunities to have friends and relationships. So one thing that we're doing is working with our local authority to talk about why it's important to support people, to have friends and relationships. So we have a really exciting event coming up in November. It's taking place in Blackpool, and it's called our Snowball. So this is going to be a winter party, very glitzy. We have a singer called Emma-Louise Jackson, who was on The Voice UK, providing the entertainment. And that's taking place on Friday the 10th of November at Blackpool Football Club. Anybody is welcome to attend that and tickets are now available so if anyone doesn't live close there are hotels nearby that people can book into that is really open to anyone uh, that would like to come see what we're all about and have a really good time and we hope there's going to be lots of glittery outfit. One of the plans that we have for next year is to run an LGBTQ event so that's for people uh, might identify as lesbian, gay, transgender, and there's lots of other ways that people can identify. So we're working with our local LGBTQ organisation to put together some something for people who might be gay or lesbian or, or, or LGBTQ. There are other dating agencies that we are connected with through the Supported Loving Network. There is one in Scotland. There is one in Cambridge, London, Bristol, Yorkshire. People want to find out if there is an agency close to them. It would be best to go onto the Supported Loving Network website and there is a list of agencies. And I know that that list is being updated at the moment, so it might not be the most up-to-date, but it certainly gives you um, an idea of where else you might be able to access similar support
5: have any format
8: We have easy read information for our work and we always try to have easy read information. Not only is it good for people that need that, it really helps us to simplify information for us. So yes, we have easy read information. All of our training workshops are delivered in a way that is easily easy to understand. So easy read leaflets, presentations, and things like that. So everything that we have, we usually have an easy read version of it as well. So we also provide easy read training. So our organization that runs Meet and match is called Spring into Action. And we, we do uh, easy read workshops as well. So we've worked with the police, We've worked with the Lancashire Registrar Office, which is the people that do the weddings and things like that, because we said people with learning disabilities can also get married and people also need information about staying safe. So we've worked with the police and the registrar to provide easy read information so they have the easy read information to give out as well.
2: What's your plans for and Matt and the Marian McLucy?
8: so our plans for me to match are to just give people opportunities to go out and meet new people whether that's for friendship or for relationships mm-hmm. um, so we the plan is to just keep having opportunities like this to talk about what we do and to get the information out to lots of people so places like social services care providers learning disability nurses because we know lots of people are lonely and they don't always know how to make friends or meet new people. So that's our plans to keep going and to give lots of opportunities to people. It's been so lovely
2: to talk to you Lucy because on Toys we love doing these podcasts. And we, and we all want to say thank you for talking about meeting Matt. really interesting.
8: Um, thank you for inviting me. It's lovely to meet you all. Thank you for coming.
1: My perfect day would be something small. Like, I would like to get to know the person first, like uh, go to coffee shops, sorry, and, and then get to know the individual before you go on, on, on another day. It's like the coffee or like uh, walk in the park. For me, my perfect friendship hangout would be like kind of simple guy. Like I like to go to pop. I like I like to have a good drink and be some I meet some friends who I've seen for a very long time and have a good catch up. I'm not into hostile bustling into like a pop guy. Sit down, listen to some music and yeah. What what would be your dream day and why? My
0: perfect date would be someone who will Take me up for dinner, go into London to show, and then maybe go to some treats down. I'm the person who will split the bill because I don't think it's fair for the guy to pay. But, but on the other hand, if you say no, please allow me to pay for it, I will let him pay. My point is that we were friends that, for example, last Saturday. So, last Saturday, Saturday um, I, went out, I went out to London. I went to Chelsea. I went three birds in London and Chelsea and to me out two of my interesting friends and um, that we really enjoyed. Thanks everybody took part in today's podcast by all links and information in our show
1: notes. So, and if you have any questions, feedback, or would like to get involved, drop us an email, choiceswaves at com. Thank you for listening. It's been me, Poppy. And it's Matthew. And me, Martin. See you in October.